Episode 8, Sean Von Gorman and Jeffrey Burant. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Creative Credit, a show dedicated to conversations with talent from across the comic book industry. Artists, writers, inkers, letterers, colorists, and more. I'm your host, Chad Bogleman. In this, our eighth episode, we'll be conversing with writer Jeffrey Burant and artist Sean Von Gorman. Jeff and Sean are the creative team behind the recent Rainbow Boys series, as well as the AOC and the Freshman Force. But their newest collaborative effort comes in the form of a horror sci-fi one-shot from Scout Comics called Ghost Planet. Pre-orders for Ghost Planet are due ASAP, so tell your local comic shop right now that you want to order Ghost Planet from Scout Comics. Additionally, you can catch the creative duo over at New York Comic Con, October 6th through the 9th at the Javits Center in New York City. Just head down to table A17 in Artist Alley. But without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Jeff and Sean. All right, guys, on the phone now, we have the creative team of the upcoming Ghost Planet one-shot from Scout Comics. First, we have Sean Von Gorman. He is a comic book illustrator and writer. To list only some of his credits, he's been published by Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, IDW, The New Yorker, Mad Cave Studios, and he is the co-creator of Totag Riot over at Black Mask Studios. Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, am I the 29th caller? <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be careful with my beat 104.3 radio vomit. <laughs> I, I, got, I got a phone call at, uh, from, from Light FM to like try and get me to call in for one of their radio programs yesterday. And they're like, hey, so if you call in around this time, if you, if you call in during your date from hell, uh, our, our date from hell segment, and then call back and have the right answer to the street question, you could win $500 and be qualified to win $10,000 of weekly drawing. And I just, I was just so amazed that they had personally given me a phone call uh, just to let me know about this. So I just like pretended like I didn't understand the rules and just made this poor woman just keep repeating them <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> nice uh next up we have jeffrey burant he is a performer and writer having worked for dc devil's do heavy metal magazine idw image oni and more jeff is also making waves as a rock and roll icon as the front man for america's uk which you can find over on Bandcamp. jeff welcome to the show Hi, thank you. Yes, Americans UK. We all had children and did, don't perform anymore, but uh, we still exist digitally. <laughs> Actually, you know, I gotta I gotta download the album because I I went over to the website or to the Bandcamp site and I uh, 
I listened to the first song that shows up over there. Okay, uh, cool. And uh, I, I was jamming out, man. Good stuff. I appreciate it. Nice. Thank you. Did you get to watch? We made some pretty fancy videos there at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. Um, Thank you. Uh, but you guys are writing Ghost Planet, uh, writing and drawing Ghost Planet over at Scout. Scout is, uh, I would say, uh, up and coming publisher. They've they've already kind of made their mark, but uh, it's it's not yet one of the the indie publishers that a lot of comic fans are already familiar with. But I've been reading a lot of their publishing line for a while now, and I saw the solicit for Ghost Planet, and I was like, okay. Also, one shot immediately perfect time for me to give something a try so i'm in <laughs> awesome yeah well, i think we've heard good feedback from retailers on that like oh it's a number one and i don't have to get and then and then that's it i think it can be a little more evergreen on the shelf that way too yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent the one shots are always good for that too especially the the ones who have a lot more pages in them um so i want to it's the first time we've actually had a dual creator team on the show. Usually I'm just interviewing one person at a time. So forgive any awkwardness. So I'm going to ask you guys a couple of individual questions and I actually have a couple of group questions here for you. So pivoting over to Sean real quick. I actually, I was looking through the, you know, you guys sent me your, your links for your, your products, your websites and the works that you guys have been on. Uh, I want to talk briefly, Sean, about The Pedestrian, which is a project you're doing with uh, Joey Esposito uh, for people listening at home. I was reading the synopsis, which kind of starts like in every small town, there exists a person who everybody recognizes, but nobody really knows. And it goes on to list like other seemingly everyday individuals who join together and, you know, face a looming threat that's coming down the line. Now, it may just be because I've been rewatching the show recently and it's on my mind, but would it be fair to compare that to the Heroes TV series, but with everyday people? Um, I would probably say probably the opposite. Uh, the, the pedestrian is sort of, uh, what we jokingly refer to as our watchman, where it's, uh, the essential idea is that it's a deconstruction of the street level vigilante, uh, model where, where the hero, uh, the pedestrian who's just this guy in like a white unitard, just kind of power walking around town, uh, <laughs> never breaks the law to fight crime. Okay, that's uh, so like a mall power walker. So he's not even a vigilante. Oh, but more or less, he 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 does. He's he is a costumed character out in the world, uh, trying to help people. Uh, but we thought it'd be cool to do something where you know we have a protagonist who doesn't uh, jump immediately to violence to solve problems. And on the and on the surface, it's this quirky. Uh, slice of life project through a superhero lens but on the surface there's a secret war brewing linked to the secret sinister history of street signs okay okay uh, it, and, it, it it totally it, it caught my attention man i was reading the whole synopsis the, the the whole pitch for it on your website oh thank you yeah um joey and i have been working this is one of one of our pandemic projects in, in addition to ghost planet this is one of those things that we just worked on uh, during quarantine, where I'm sure a lot of 2020 seeped into the broth on that one. So we talk about things like social justice and isolation and how misinformation can destroy communities. And we've, uh, we, we've been working on it as sort of like a webtoon style scrolling adventure. Uh, we've been doing uh, short ash cans just at comic shows 
uh, where this hasn't been really posted online at all. We've been doing sort of like a hand sell of like small ash cams. Uh, we did one for New York Comic Con last year that sold out a uh, hundred copies. Uh, we're going to do another one for Baltimore Comic Con. And uh, Joy and I, uh, Joey had an interesting talk with Zest World. Uh, both of us just joined a. Uh, we're a part of the current wave of creators who just joined uh, up on Zest World, which for anyone who is not familiar with Zest World, it's sort of like a mix of Instagram um, and uh, Patreon kind of, where you can kind of uh, post comics, uh, take uh, uh, commission requests. And they and their first round of creators has a, um, a plethora of fantastic creators, like, a, like a Amanda Connor and... Jimmy Palmiani. Uh, so we're we're part of phase two of that, and we might be bringing we might be bringing the pedestrian to that uh, very soon, and we're very excited about it. Good, yeah, yeah. You've you've got a lot of works, and uh, I just I, I had to talk about the pedestrian man because I was I was very intrigued by that. But you're you're definitely not the only one with with other with uh, individual works because Jeff, I'm curious about Killer Bad, which was uh, funded over last year on Kickstarter. It sounds. I mean, based on reading about it, it sounds like an, a total love letter to the comics of the 90s with all yes. of this seduction and violence and action that one would expect. So tell us a bit about Killer Bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, the verisimilitude might be too good at times. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's as though there, uh, it's like a superhero slasher flick. Like there's this this elite squad of superhero outlaws you don't really know you know kind of like like x-force say you know what what what's their agenda really you don't know but they're going in to uh to obtain this uh macguffin the, like a magical crystal uh for uh this entity known as mission control um and uh it's revealed that one amongst them is a serial killer and begins uh, uh, killing the rest of the team while they are in the middle of their mission on this this uh, island that is sending forth uh, mutant panthers and robots. And so, uh, and so it's, it's totally nineties. So <laughs> yeah, and it's very steeped. I mean, it was generated by artist uh, Jason Gongor and I, like with the idea that. Um, like w the way we could tell a story in like with more splash pages and do the nineties thing. Um, but also pack in maybe more story and content, uh, you know, make it a little postmodern and, and try to elevate it that way. Uh, but at the center of it is just uh, blood and gore and lots of tongue in cheek nineties references also. Is it just the one issue? Are y'all going to launch each individual issue in a the, series and Kickstarter? Or? Yes, that's the idea. We're in production on two now. There are finished pages. Um, we The idea was one a year, but I don't think we're going to hit one a year this year, uh, the second one uh, this year, but it's in production. Uh, so there's a full trilogy written and... Uh, and then, uh, but it's imagined as a, a, like ultimately a five-parter for a trade say, but each issue is also a done in one, like, and it, it jumps uh, like 20 years at a time for each issue. So the nineties one is in the nineties and then 
uh, we jump to the 2010s and it looks more like a 2010 Marvel book. And then in the third one, we're going into the future for like a magical cyberpunk story. Uh, but again, where we're referencing, we're going to be referencing like both at once Spawn, but also there was like at Marvel, you know, they were trying to do what Vertigo was doing. And so they have, you know, Warren Ellis on, on, um, on uh, Son of Satan, right? And they right. get like, uh, you know, an Italian artist that looks like a Vertigo artist, a cover artist. And so we kind of want, that's like uh, going, we're going to be uh, our model for that one. So it's kind of cool. Jason Gongor, he changes his style every, for every issue. The first one was like fully painted and looks like the side of like uh, a Capcom versus Street Fighter game in a lot of ways. Um, and then the second one is going to be a lot more noirish and inked and colored traditionally um so yeah we're we're playing with form while kind of dealing with lots of uh a pastiche you know i actually you know I, I'm, I'm glad i started off with both of these projects because it gives me a, a good perspective because for, for the, addressing the listeners at home indie comic creators hustle uh <laughs> and not just like on their own projects like well, Jeff's doing something in Kickstarted or, or anything like that. I'm talking even on stuff that's published by like Scout and stuff, because look, they do as much as they can. This is not sliding any sort of indie publisher, but a lot of times it's left up to the creative teams to reach out and do sort of their own marketing. And you guys have been doing this hustle for a long time. And I know Sean, you, you guys had reached out to me once I posted that thread over on Twitter about the stuff I was really interested in. And I, I know I had com complimented the, uh, the title art for ghost planet uh, being very, you know, old school horror title uh, looking at, and that was awesome. Uh, but uh, I've just been really impressed but going through both of your resumes at the stuff that you guys have just been hustling on back to back uh, your, your partnership on this must be super tight. I know you guys have worked before. So talk a bit about uh, how the experience of, of, you know, promoting all these uh, creator owned works that you guys have done, whether it be through Kickstarter or something that's posted online and then published in ash cans or whatever at conventions and, and pimping them there. How has that, kind of informed your process together, not only working together, but also helping to promote the stuff that you guys come up with. I think, I think Jeff and I just come from, from similar backgrounds where we uh, create, create these projects. We, we both come from a fairly indie background. I think we, I think Jeff and I actually met at the first convention I ever did, uh, which was I think Mocha Fest uh, in New York back in, I think 2012. And that was the year that we, um, I had a book about Harry Houdini uh, in the works. And so in order, uh, I got this idea in my head uh, to promote this book about Harry Houdini, we would have to get a straitjacket and do straitjacket escapes at comic shows. So every, so at this, at this particular show, we would, we would just make an announcement, uh, me, me and my writing partner, uh, Todd Hunt, on that particular book, we would make a little announcement like, hey, everyone, we're doing a straitjacket escape. Come on over. Then I would be put into a straitjacket and then I'd break out the straitjacket. And then while during this distraction of me writhing on the floor, uh, Todd would hand out business cards of the uh, of the flyers of the book and we would we would make sales. We 
I, I would, I think I did maybe 40 at that particular show. <laughs> and we, we've always been, we've always been interested in doing things that are different because, you know, comics, it's very, it, it can be very dry. You know, you go to a store, there's hundreds of books on that shelf. What's putting your thing aside from others. And it's, it's, you know, there's, it doesn't hurt to push yourself and, and put yourself out there and to, let people know about your project. I mean, uh, for the Houdini book, uh, I, I learned, you know, how you get the attention of, of stores. You know, we had three copies to our names. We, uh, the, the store picked them up on consignment. And then, and then we ran out of books. And while we were waiting on new books, they're like, oh, so when these books come in, like soon, but maybe we could do like an event at the store. Um, and they're like, sure, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. What, what if we like chain me to the outside until we sell all the books and like, okay, cool. I'm like, oh, cool. Now we got to do that. And that's something that we ended up doing uh, that, that year uh, outside of Forbidden uh, Planet. Crazy, crazy things were just happening at that time. I think Neil Gaiman retweeted uh, the, the fact that I was doing this stunt outside Forbidden Planet and then Bleeding Cool picked up the story. So this became like a thing that I had to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'll never forget, this was uh, February uh, 2012, and we had gotten the books, and I call uh, Jeff Ayers at Forbidden Planet. I'm like, hey, Jeff, I got the books. Uh, let's do this uh, Let's do this on Tuesday. It's going to be a really nice day out. And Jeff goes, no, let's do it Wednesday. It's, it's New Comics Day. I'm like, okay, cool. And it rained all day. <laughs> <laughs> so here's me chained to a fire, uh, just chained to a light pole, uh, a handcuff to a chain. Uh, I think we were out there for something like eight hours uh, of like interacting with everyone from people to like crazy homeless people. I think the cops showed up at one point. Uh, they were, <laughs> they were uh, quote, responding to a 911 call about a man chained to a pole being stabbed repeatedly. But I think they just saw a crowd and were just trying to break it up. And so they asked me if I was stabbed. And I had to very carefully uh, right, hold in my smart mouth to this uh, very large police officer. Like, no, I, and I checked. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine, officer. You, you hear that, <laughs> listeners? Indie comic creators will risk pneumonia and incarceration in order to get their books sold. <laughs> well, I think it, what you're learning, is, yeah. I think what you're learning, Chad, is that uh, neither Sean or I have much shame, and so we will happily, <laughs> uh, happily talk about our books to anybody and everybody. And you know, uh, uh, I think my, I will first of all, I think that's why, like now that we're in the promotional part, Sean and I are, I think, a great team at it. We are uh, texting all day. We're both uh, getting interviews and talking to stores. One will send the email, the other will send the, the follow-up a couple of weeks later. It's, it's, it's been, um, almost a symbiotic promotional. And, and, and then Sean also on his own, like makes, he makes all the, our, the little videos that are, you know, made to watch on your phone and stuff. And it's been really cool that way. And I think from my perspective too, being in a band for so long, um, you know, and uh, starting off in Austin, Texas, like, you know, one of the fun parts about being a band is making your posters and your handbills and your t-shirts and everything, and then getting and booking a show and you book the show yourself and you do it all yourself. And then you go out and you make things and you put flyers at cafes and stuff. And it's just now the same thing digitally and creating 
pages and all that. And, you know, I just, I don't think either Sean, you know, you'll see people on Twitter say creators are kind of wringing their hands. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be talking about my project uh, because it's coming out soon. And I just don't, I don't share that, uh, that, that fear or, or, um, you know, uh, self-criticism that there's something bad about sharing something that I worked on. Cause I'm always like, super proud and you know uh i want people to see it no i completely understand and i gotta i gotta appreciate the tenacity you guys have at this because <laughs> uh, quite honestly like I, through doing the show and the podcasts i've done before and stuff like that you talk with enough creators you go to enough cons you realize like look when you put start putting pen to paper whether it's art or whether it's a script there's no guarantee that that book's ever going to see the light of day unless you do something about it. And hell, even the same thing for you, Jeff, with the band, it's especially getting your start in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. You have to have tenacity to get your stuff in front of people. And I've got to appreciate the grind that you guys have gone through uh, together and separately uh, to get your works out there in front of people. Thanks. Yeah. For sure. I, I think it, I, I think it's funny that it's coming from that that band mentality of that desire to get as many people aware of the thing you're doing uh, to avoid the shame of being in an empty bar playing to nobody. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the same feeling. I got I got to ask just be, before we we go off topic: uh, Will there be a Ghost Planet single to help promote the the, the issue? <laughs> That, that's really funny. I don't think we even we even discussed it. We, we've actually done music for other projects that we weren't even on. Oh, wow. Uh, we we co-wrote a song for uh, Dean Haspiel's Red Hook for uh, this uh, this the the Bushwick Book Club uh, a couple years ago, back when uh, the, the Red Hood was on Webtoons. And it was this. It was like this quirky little thing in the back of a of a bar in Brooklyn with like a tin ceiling, very small room, like a family. It's it's in Park Slope in a very literate family oriented neighborhood where people are bringing in their kids, maybe like with like one instrument or like spoken word stuff. And we roll in with like a full band. I yeah, we didn't my, fit on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had my mom on drums. We had a bass player and people were putting their kids in the front row. And I'm just like leaning over to their parents like, hey, um, we're going to we're going to melt your children. <laughs> we just... <laughs> and, and, the, and the mom's like, oh, it's fine. They're 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 going to love it. And then we would... they're Brooklyn children. <laughs> we just unleashed and we, we saw their hair go back and just like just loving it. <laughs> I'm just picturing a bunch of like baby baby metalheads like just up front just screaming or something. <laughs> Rock and roll signs way up high just really digging into it. <laughs> I, I think it's more like when you like throw a baby into the water and like they and they it's either they're going to sink or swim and they just become aware of this new world that they weren't aware of before. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Sean, I want to talk a bit about your your art. I was perusing your work on your website. And look, as, as much as the list of credits to your name provides ample opportunity for questions, a couple of actual smaller projects tickled my fancy be because not only did I note that you did a pinup in Wave Blue World's second volume of Deadbeats, but I also saw 
that you have a Nexus image on your website. And I know we were talking earlier before the podcast started about Steve, the dude root. I got to ask about those projects, man. Where, where is that from? Oh, sure. The, um, the, the, uh, the Nexus, the Nexus splash was something I did for a contest that uh, Steve was running for uh, one of his Kickstarters, I think at some point last year, I was trying to do something to just get his attention because I've been a huge fan for a while. I was also, also was a cruising for covers, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> You're talking so about I, the, I, uh, the, pro- the, the newspaper strips, the, the coming of Gormando, right? There was one right before that one for like, he was doing a reprint of his animated art book or like oh. how to dr- the how to draw a Nexus book. Yeah. And, he had, uh, and they'd put out a call for artists for like, Hey, give us your best Nexus. And I was like, I'll give you my best Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, eventually we got to talking and we have a soft commitment for him to do a cover for the pedestrian. So we are planning to, if it goes to like a print run, we have a pretty dense library of cover artists. We have a Mike Allred cover on that one. Uh, Brian Level did one. Uh, and we have, we have um, verbal agreements fr- from Paul Pope uh, and uh, Steve Rude to, to jump in on one. Should, should, should the time become right? That's that's awesome. And uh, uh, I know Deadbeats is something not a whole lot of people are aware of, but I have both volumes. So I really loved that uh, kind of anthology series. So uh, I, I saw you did a pinup and that was really cool. Yeah, I was really glad because I was so jealous that I wasn't on the first one because because I'm, I'm pretty friendly with uh, with Eric and uh, and Joe Corello, uh, who are the editors on that one. And I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to be on this. And then the second one came out and I'm like, oh, man really want to do something on that one too. And then like at the very last second, they're like, uh, did Joe's like, Hey, Sean, you want to do a pinup for, for a dead beach too? Because that's how Joe talks. <laughs> he has a very, he has a very distinctive voice and he hates when I do impressions of him when we're on panels together. Uh, and then, yeah, they're like, yeah, do you do, can you, can you do something with David Bowie? And for, and for your listeners out there, uh, my oldest son is named David Bowie. So yes, I could definitely do something with David Bowie in it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. You know, you, you talk a bit about Nexus. Uh, I, I, I told you guys that Steve was the first guy who came on the show, which was, I mean, to get Steve as the first guest on a first episode. That's awesome. Uh, but I told him that uh, I, my, my, my introduction to comics, I had like five issues as a kid uh, and I didn't get into comics regularly until after high school. But as a kid, I only had five single issues. And one of them was the second issue of a Magnus, the robot fighter and Nexus crossover. Uh, and I just, I geeked out with him about that. And then a few weeks later, he sends me two head, a, 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 a sketch in the mail of net Magnus and Nexus just two like bust images and he just signed Steve rude. Thanks. Thanks for the, the, the time or whatever. And um, that's probably one of my single greatest interactions of all time. Uh, I could geek out all day about Steve rude. If you want to. <laughs> well, I'm just going to send you an old uh, John Byrne uh, X-Men comic, but the one, the redo that he tried to launch in like 2000. So it won't be as special, but you know, it'll be something. <laughs> I appreciate that guys. Uh, it- I, X-Men, the hidden years, <laughs> especially, especially like just having, you know, guests who 
bring the personality to to the game. Uh, and, and, and you mentioned he had also shown off art as well. He that's that's such a great resource and a great opportunity to have as your first show. Uh, I'm sure the second guest was really like, "Well, what am I going to do?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, we try. We try over here. <laughs> uh, but before we get to Ghost Planet, I, I did, had mentioned earlier, I know you guys have worked together on a couple of other things. Interesting, like AOC and the Freshman Force and then Rainbow Boy, which I read a couple of uh, pages of on one of y'all's websites. And uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Modoc Trump and the acronym that you guys threw in for MAGA, Moronic Apes Get Advantages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we were very angry at that at that time. <laughs> we were really uh, you know, we were really trying to make a difference with our work and you know, that's that's I think everyone was really hot on both sides for sure uh especially on ours on ours uh being the correct side and <laughs> um it that was a very cathartic moment uh the rainbow boy uh, the the rainbow boy thing started um because jeff was asked to be a part of the love is love anthology that idw and dc was doing a couple of years ago uh to raise money for victims of the pulse shootings i remember that and and i had been I had just discovered this public domain character called Rainbow Boy. Um, that was that was a uh, probably not very popular, but was a character that came in like the '30s. That was this kid with a rainbow as like a mohawk, and his only discernible power was he flies around by shooting rainbows at his backside. So I thought, this why is this not a book? And I had uh, done like sort of like a modern '90s. Uh, redesign of it but keeping keeping the rainbow mohawk and and jeff had been asked to do uh love is love and he was like and and then he found me at new york comic con i was like hey you should we should do something do you want to do something he's like i know what we're doing we're doing rainbow boy and he's like what is that I'm like well i, I already got it because we only had jeff what was it like five mm -hmm. days to turn this around yeah, I mean, we would do it wasn't like I got a guaranteed spot either. It was I went up to Mark and Draco, who I'd, you know, had had dinner with a couple times at other cons and, uh, and asked like, hey, can I had heard about this thing? Can I be a part of it? And he was like, well, you can submit something by next Friday. And, and also no promises. And, um, and Sean, I walked by Sean and said, hey, you want to do this thing? I don't remember if maybe I, I, you might have shown me Rainbow Boy right then. And I was like, sure, great, because we only you only got one page uh, and we were off to the races. And I, you know, I wrote it and and Sean drew it and let I mean, we were done with it. And I think at least black and white, I don't think we had color pages yet uh, in that week, but we had we had something we could pitch. And I think what Mark liked about it was that it uh, had a different tone than the rest of the stories, um, which were, you know, uh, understandably very somber a lot of the times. And here we had something that was a little lighter and fun and was also kind of taking some, uh, some jabs at, at uh, Dr. Old Doc Drumpf, um, <laughs> even in that first one. Uh, so, yeah, 
so we got pit and then so uh i think we like kind of we punched through with just having a different uh a different take on on what we were submitting such that it made mark happy because it, it just gave a little more variety to to the overall anthology it was one of those moments of complete certainty that i knew that this was going to work and there was there was no possible way this was not going to work and you had just like met and hung out with Paul Mounts. And so then I, I mean, this all happened like bam, bam, bam. I talked to Mark. I run into Sean. Sean had just run into Paul Mounts. We split ways. Sean goes back to Paul Mounts says, Hey, you said you wanted it. We could work together. How about this? And we were, we were off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we I've actually known Paul for a while before that. Uh, we oh, okay. had like uh, been like table buddies uh, at like random shows. Usually if I, if I'm next to someone at a show for three days, we usually end up being very friendly by the end of it. Uh, just in terms of talking and just hanging out and just making fun of people who were just weird at the table. And I was just sitting at his, his table kind of like, uh, like attracting people over to him. Cause Paul's a legend. He's worked on everything. And I had, was introducing him as Paul Mounts as like Paul Mounts. He is a legendary comic, uh, colorist. He would never touch my stuff. And, and he was like, oh, no, Sean, I would I work with you in a second. And I was like, okay, well, Paul, I'm going to hold you that. Cut to me talking to Jeff. And then immediately, maybe 10 minutes later, going, hey, so, Paul, this is what we're going to work on. <laughs> and I'm going to have it for you in, like, four days. <laughs> <laughs> what a project origin. <laughs> and then we got him. And then, I mean, he did he did every, he did that. And he did the AOC one, right? We actually, you know, we helped him. Uh, we got some gigs together too, because those were paid gigs, I think. Uh, but Paul, Paul is very kind to me. He will make it. He'll he'll make it work uh, for him around his schedule. If if I'm working on something, I do definitely try to get him the best possible page rate I can, uh, because he's the he's the guy. He's like the big gun I call when I need something knocked out of the park in a big way. Uh, I had him do one of my Star Trek covers recently and nailed it. Uh, I'm doing a cover for Star Trek Resurgence number two. Um, that's coming out in December. And uh, Paul did an amazing, amazing job on colors on that one. That was a whole lot of information. <laughs> that I, I just love the way people can come together at conventions, quite honestly. The the collaboration and the the bonds that, that are formed at cons. It, it's exactly why I started this show because uh, I've been, I, I don't know if you guys, I told you guys or not. Uh, I've been doing a, I kind of inherited a podcast several years ago uh, along with my co-host. And I've been doing a podcast about Green Lantern that's been on the air for 14 years. Um, Holy. Hey, <laughs> so, uh, are, are, are we allowed to curse on the show? I didn't ask. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a long time. <laughs> God damn. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, you, when you do it like that, you get press passes to comic cons and stuff like that, and you meet all these cool people in Artist Alley. And you know, when you're so specific of the subject you do for your podcast, you're like, "Look, man, I love your work, but did you maybe ink an issue of Green Lantern in the '90s or something?" So I have an excuse to talk to you. And have I you just ever got worn green? That. <laughs> yeah, I just got sick of that going, you know what? I'm going to talk to whoever the F I want to. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the, 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 the bonds formed at Comic-Con are, are everything, not just for fans or podcasters, but apparently for creators, too. Did, did before, you inherit a podcast or did you make a deal with a demon who loves Green Lantern and subjected you to only interviewing people about Green Lantern? Uh, no comment. 
<laughs> okay, yes, well, this sounds like more like he's defiled an Indian burial ground uh, type of thing. <laughs> yeah. The we were talking about the bonds uh, at Comic Con. I've met the amount of people that I've met at cons with the most interesting stories. I can't. I can't imagine what you guys must get into after the convention <laughs> when y'all are hanging out at a, a local bar or something in a, in a new town you've never been in and just discovering stuff together. Uh, I, I want to be a fly on the wall <laughs> at, at those moments of Comic-Con. Forget, forget being in Artist Alley during the hours of the con. I want to be a fly on the wall in the bar when the creators are hanging out afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I don't know. It's I. I guess sometimes crazy stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm more talking about with, the, right? the the drunken pitches that <laughs> that may happen. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of it's kind of frowned upon to like get too much into. Like, I don't know if you're next to an editor. It's like, well, just you know be cool and uh, have them remember you as uh, a person easy to get along with rather than like give them your message. Oh, oh, you know, I can see that. I can see that. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, you guys were gracious enough to let me have an advanced copy of ghost planet. And before we get into the actual store, the, the actual issue itself uh, and, and what people can expect coming up, uh, let's talk about its home over at Scout, uh, because I have really been enjoying a lot of Scout books. Um, I know Cherry Blackbird that had come out, uh, Cult, Cult of Icarus, which was just recently wrapping up. Uh, one of my friends, his favorite book of the year, Phantom Starkiller. Uh, I've been reading Rad Wraith, which just came at issue two, just came out not too long ago. Love Chris, love Chris. Absolutely. How, how has working with Scout been for you guys? You, you both have worked for a, a bunch of different publishers. So what is, uh, what is the atmosphere like over at Scout? Um, it's been surprisingly uh, laid back. I mean, we, uh, Ghost Planet was something that was already done, uh, that we had done as a webtoon prompt for uh, a, one of their contests that we were doing during lockdown. So Jeff had, had pitched uh, Scout to them uh, as a completed book, essentially. And, you know, it's, it, it's been more focused on the build up to a book launch. It's more of the reaching out to stores, figuring out what the covers are going to be, because Scout has a very impressive uh, variant cover program and our initial meeting with them, uh, with Andrea, um, they were very clear about, you know, what, what they thought they could do, um, things they could try expectations. Uh, there were very clear expectations from the start, which was so refreshing because that never happens with smaller independent comic publishers. There's always some sort of mafios, uh, mafioso slash puppet master mentality of like, I got my fingers in all the pies and I see the universe and I'm going to get you, I'm going to make you star, but I'm not actually going to answer your emails while I do it. Oh, I mean, it's been great. You know, they uh, doing coming up with the covers and, and, and getting on meetings with them and, and helping the, you know, uh, James helping us figure out like 
okay, what is going to sell best in uh, the comic stores? Uh, this is what your variant's going to be. We should do this. Uh, he's been kind of uh, a great mentor for this type of stuff about uh, some of the decision making that goes on uh, uh, on with that. Um, and then otherwise, it's prompting me, you know, I, I the copy is is written by me, but they have this, what they do is they provide this like, uh, you know, a worksheet basically of like, these things need to be accomplished by then. And it's like, you know, your copy for uh, diamond, your copy for the ad, blah, blah, blah. We, we kind of went back and forth at first with, um, we were contemplating doing, uh, doing two, like say 24 page books where there was 20 pages of story in each. And then we'd have like four pages of back matter uh, and they talked us out of that and they were like, Hey, I, you know, you, you it's going to do better as a one shot. And, and, and the market is hungry for, uh, short work, which I call, I like calling a graphic novella, but, um, I don't know if it's going to catch on because everyone already knows the done in one. So, uh, you know, we've been calling it a 40 page done in one sci-fi horror, uh, you know, classic sci-fi tale with a body horror twist. And Jeff won't tell me what novella means. <laughs> yeah, he thinks it's an ice cream flavor. Well, correct. Well, then correct me, Jeff. <laughs> no, never. Sometimes it's just fun to watch your friends struggle in ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, guys, because uh, it was, wasn't until maybe the past, I want to say two, three years, that I actually got into really, I was definitely reading indie books, but it was more like IDW, Boom, Image, Dark Horse, as opposed to AWA Upshot or Scout or uh, Black Mass Studios or, you know, whatever. Um, sure. Well, so, those are also, all those you listed second are all kind of newer kids on the block too. Oh, for um, sure. Uh, so that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I, you know, there was actually, uh, unfortunately, they moved away from Austin uh, over to uh, Bradenton, Florida. Actually, their their grand opening at their new location is coming up probably about the same time FOC is due for this title, actually. Uh, but Bat City Comic Professionals, which used to be in Austin, uh, Matt and Shannon over there, they they gave us uh, so much exposure. Uh, like, for for instance, Shannon's handle online is small press shan so like she's always pimping you know red five books or scout books and and i know they actually went to scout headquarters not too long ago and was really pimping up as you you mentioned the 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 different covers and stuff like that they were sharing all kinds of those images and stuff like that so i know i know scout has actually been really good about that but it's good to hear from the creator side what options they they, they provide you guys and uh that worksheet that's that sounds awesome that sounds like a you know a, a perfect recipe for for not only getting things done on time but helping get your book out there in front of people because as a lot of us know uh, uh you know sometimes indie publishers just leave it up to the creators to uh to market their books <laughs> even hell even dc and marvel i know with some titles don't put a whole lot of marketing behind those. So uh, it's it's good the resources that you guys are getting uh, provided with over at Scout. For sure. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, let's talk Ghost Planet. 
without spoiling it for the listeners, because we need you guys to actually read the book because it's awesome. The best way I can describe it, and let's make sure I'm not doing this without giving to- away too much. I would maybe describe it as like a horror slash zombie lost in space sci-fi adventure. Is that fair? Yeah, I, yes. I you know, I fair. don't know about the zombie. I kind of get what you're saying, but um, I guess the, there's some some zombiness in there, especially graphically. There's a, a a look there, but we're definitely not dealing with zombies. I do want to say that it's that's not the 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 answer or the or the or the characters at all um yeah well you know we i think we thought of it as like my pitch line was lost in space meets last of us uh oh okay good good which, which does kind of tip towards what the uh, tip a hat towards what the answer is but um uh but uh i don't know you might not get it from just me saying that and so they, uh they are lost <laughs> yeah and so you know the whole idea was to have like especially with the style that that uh sean brought to it is to have this like classic 60s sci-fi feel you know the robots are a little clunky they're wearing they're not wearing like halo suits they're wearing kind of dumpy uh uh space suits um that mixed with like uh john carpenter uh vibe of body horror um uh and and then also from my perspective of like coming up with um an idea where uh you might think there's uh or it's usually the premise is presented as uh, a mystical or magical premise uh but like richard matheson with uh, i am legend uh providing kind of um a scientific reality of like he does it with vampires and for us it was coming up with a way where people uh would see ghosts exactly and that's i am after reading reading it i have to say just to clarify for you guys as well i'm well aware it's not zombie i thought i thought saying zombie was as close as i could get without actually giving it away For sure. Yeah, it's not easy because, and again, it's a 40 page story. So um, it's almost all spoilers to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth, this is a safe space. There's no judgment coming from either of us. It's going to be okay. We're just going to move on. (laughs) I I really enjoyed it though, guys. It's, it's a hell of a book and uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying a lot of, you said body horror, man, (laughs) it goes there. And uh, it was, it was a, a sight to behold. Uh, <laughs> to, to I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, oh yes, I'm glad you got that. <laughs> well, uh, that first turn, which uh, you know, there's that first, uh, which you can see, it's in the preview. We have there's an ash can available now with an eight page preview, and, and, and the first person you see who is reporting that they're seeing ghosts they turn and and there's just blood pouring from their eyes where at first and especially because of the way it's presented you're like wait is that blood or maybe mascara because she's been crying so much but it's soon revealed that yes it, it, it is blood yeah you you talk a bit about the art and 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 sean of course feel free to comment on this but i do want to talk a bit about the colors uh as done by omar uh, estevez i believe well well that was just the cover on the one book uh the colors are also all sean in the interiors oh perfect so yeah yeah i did not know that so each panel is uh is fully either black white and blue or black white and pink etc 
And it's actually very interesting to me how when I started reading it, that felt a little odd, not bad, but just a little off, different from what I had normally read. But as the story goes on, it really lends to like this descending into chaos atmosphere of the story. And that was a really cool choice to do with those colors. Thank you. Um, a lot of a lot of that the initial idea and planning around this was, as I mentioned, this was a uh, a submission for a webtoons contest where we had to produce a completed forty page story in thirty days. So a lot of the choices that I made on here were based from what can I do quickly, um, and then you know, but then make it look like this was a a thing that we did on purpose. So my decision was to kind of come in with like very broad, simplistic brushstrokes on the art uh, really, and then really lend into the mood by just having just one color per panel. And then the color would sort of be linked to the mood of the panel. So there's like a, there's like a, like a deep red, which was like the, you know, like, like the gore or the violence or, you know, things are getting really bad in this color or, if it's a somber moment or like a, a depressing moment, a blue, if it's like more of a happier moment, uh, there's like a yellow in there. And then, and then, and then the colors would sort of like fade into each other and transition. So each, like either a whole page is a certain color or you see the progression into the moods uh, to sort of like not, not having the time to do all the detail of a proper color job, but to give you, you know, I would just put, I would just literally just put one color on the panel and then with like another brush, just do like white highlights uh, to give you more definition of the characters. But, you know, each of these shots are from one mood, one action from these very simplistic, broad strokes where, you know, thinking if this became something of a TV series or a movie that there was enough on there that, you know, the very talented production team, I'm sure we will hire to work on this. We'll have plenty of room to add as much as they want on here, but still have the same uh, same silhouettes and the same uh, feel of the original art. Yeah, uh, and, and look, I'm not an artist by any express stretch of the imagination, um, but I do like that the, it's not just that the colors are, you know, all in one panel or whatever, but I, I like the choices for the colors too. It's not, it's not like a sky. It's not like a, a, a Navy blue. It's like a really kind of, you know, ghost blue or well, really well, that was the note there. I think when we were searching, uh, especially uh, when you first get to see some of the ghosts full on, cause you know, at first you're just hearing other people report about seeing ghosts and then you finally get one and, you know, and it's a peaceful blue also, you know, it's this, it's actually kind of a peaceful moment, not a scary moment. Uh, but also it lends itself to, yeah, actually being the color of how we imagine ghosts. And it's interesting how Sean's, color choices in, in that format lended itself to doing more than just providing mood. Sometimes it helps with us denote the passage of time. There's that whole early sequence where uh, our, our, uh, our young girl, uh, uh, you, uh, 
our, our protagonist, our main protagonist, who's a teen, uh, a teen girl, um, you know, it, it's her turning off the lights and, and going to sleep and then being awoken by a voice. So we literally get to have the lights turn off and uh, have her be in purple shadows and then have the lights turn back on when she says lights again. Or when we transition from that scene to the next morning, we didn't have to put a caption box that said, uh, you know, the next morning we just bathed it in golden. It was a golden color and there's two suns in the sky. And so, you know, oh, it's the next morning now. And then we ha can have a character talk about how they didn't get any sleep or whatever to really put a pin in it. But it was just interesting how uh, we could use it in different ways. Because I remember with the timing of the the sequence where our, our protagonist uh, uh, tries to go to sleep and turns the lights back on, we kind of like played with that to get like, okay, with the light turn back on here or in this panel and there was some back and forth on that so it was once uh, sean had established that we uh, you know i got to weigh in on some saying like hey I, by the way i think this is going to be a yellow panel by the way you know or whatever <laughs> yeah it's uh i i really i really enjoyed it again it's it's not the coloring is is not something you normally experience in in comics for for me personally i've seen uh i know like you know Going back to the Green Lantern example, I know Green Lantern played around with it uh, back towards the end of the New 52. Like, uh, I, I forgive me, I forget the name of the artist and I really should credit them. But there was a point where every action, you know, it would be colored like a normal comic. And then every really intense action moment uh, panel would be punctuated by being in all black, white and red. And the colors just really sung to to sing the point home, and I really, I, I really appreciate. I, I, I honestly, I don't think a, enough comic book fans appreciate beyond just writing and art. They 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 don't look enough at the inks, the colors, the lettering. Speaking of the lettering, the fact that one of the lettering on one of the panels literally says the word klaxon was was awesome. Uh, I think uh, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then made Sean do a sound effect for it. But so, yeah, of course you got it because you I, I I had to refer it's that sound, you know. <laughs> you know uh how yeah there's no the onomatopoeia for that would be more ridiculous, I think, than just writing klaxon, 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 klax off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so I mean, uh, as much as uh, uh, as I love the story, I, I got to give you some some props there. I didn't know you also did the colors. So, uh, yes, I I enjoyed the art, but uh, I enjoyed your title treatment. I enjoyed your coloring. Uh, I enjoyed the full scope of the work, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's did great. Like Sean lettering? did like Sean did like eighty percent of the work on the book, and then I, you know, as writer, I'm going to get uh, credit for half the things he he pulled off. <laughs> That's what interviews. It's are a great for, deal. Guys. It's a great deal. That's what interviews Living are for, guys, to bring it all to light. <laughs> Living the dream. This is this is the <laughs> this is my thing that Jeff helped with. <laughs> <laughs> So I know uh, I know we talked a little bit about the origins for this uh, in in terms of uh, where it came uh, you know the project had already been existing beforehand but where did the story come from was this was this something inspired so, by something else or well originally like a long time ago uh, I had just written down the word in a book Ghost Planet and drawn the 
the image of like a pulp uh, a, a pulp novel of just a planet with a skull for a continent. And I just always like, uh, you know, ghost planet is a real term. I, at the time, you know, I was at the University of Texas uh, drinking and smoking and had probably just watched Space Ghost the night before and then forgotten the next morning and was like, ooh, ghost planet, that's a cool title because, you know, sp uh, Space Ghost home planet is ghost planet. And then over the years, uh, I had written, I had started to write a, uh, a prose story. I'd finally kind of cracked um, uh, my story for something titled uh, Ghost Planet years later um, uh, in New York. And I'd cracked it and I started to, I was writing more. Uh, I moved to, to Brooklyn uh, to get uh, my MFA in fiction writing. Uh, and so I was writing a lot more prose for a while. And um, so I had a prose story version of this. Um, and then, uh, and so, but it was kind of abandoned. My, uh, comic stuff had taken off for me more and especially, um, with a full-time job and kids and stuff, comics, you know, that, and, and, and just enjoying like kind of the, the band, the rock band dynamic, uh, you know, writing something for only one or two people to read is, is easier than to write something that you want, uh, you're trying to get everyone to read and pay attention to your prose and stuff. And so, and also I kind of think in comics like uh uh i when i write i do my own breakdowns that the artists rarely see and then i script from that so i think i have a good sense of you know what the page is going to look like um in advance but anyhow that's all on a side uh so when this con this webtoons contest came up i figured you know there was one category that was called like weird brainy shit or something it was you know i had a weird name but it was supposed to be like you know head scratchers have a twist ending or something and i was like oh i have the story and so i pitched that I, I i took pictures with my phone some of the drawings i had made over the years from it and sent that to sean i was like here's this i think you know and again there's this sense of uh we we're on we're on the clock here we just found out about this contest and we've i think maybe had a couple weeks to do that first uh chapter maybe more maybe we had a full month um but we were still moving and i hadn't you know i just wrote i think once sean and i sean was like yeah i'm interested i think i wrote the script for the first episode like within the next couple nights and sent it to him and we were and we were going and you know we were we didn't this was not a a script that I finished first and then uh, Sean um, drew, but rather uh, we were making it on the go. And I was like, you know, you know, find out writing what the ending was going to be um, while Sean is, is drawing the, the second uh, episode. Now, again, I had a pretty strong uh, story, you know, outline already for, uh, and what I could winnow down the story to, to comics. But um, so that, for that's context, it's also important to mention, this is like two days after lockdown. So we were both kind of freaking out. Uh, like kind of being squirrely in each of our homes of like we're stuck in our house cons aren't going to be a thing anymore what do we do as comic creators and when this was really i think was really a cathartic exercise where we were able to kind of work out some of these things that we were worrying about and freaking out about um i think definitely in especially for this story because it's about it's about it's about family who are isolated um, cut off from the world. 
uh, dealing with disease. Uh, so that I think there's lots of things that, you know, really lined up with what we were experiencing and going through. And I think that really um, made it into the book for sure. It felt like it. And, and, you know, honestly, I was looking, I didn't mention it earlier, but in looking through both of your works, I, I did notice uh, a lot of uh, pandemic related creative outputs. Like Sean, I know you did the, those sort of almost far side sort of type uh, uh, one panel, you know, slice of life things I saw on your website. Oh, sure. Yeah. Those were um, all those were submissions to the New Yorker that they all thought were too mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think, but, but I love the, I love the, I love the, uh, the pedal to the metal and just, uh, you know what, we're going to continue producing shit regardless of what's going down uh, mentality you guys have there because uh, uh, as we all know, uh, lockdown in the pandemic was, uh, was definitely interesting. I, I myself had to go through, some medical stuff not related to COVID. I actually got hospitalized for one of the first times in my life with diverticulitis and had to have like 10% of my colon removed. And, you know, there's a lot of recovery and depression that comes with that. So more power to you for existing in what a lot of people would consider a, a weird hellscape existence of the pandemic and still pushing through creative pursuits. Cause that's awesome. Well, first, I think I was just going to say, I'm glad you're better. Thank Um, you. (laughs) And then I was just going to say real quick, I think it also just points to Sean and I and why we're such a good team. We're also just both makers. Like I'm going to just be making art of some sort and trying to get people to look at it uh, till the day I die, I feel like. And, and like, I like, you know, I don't really worry about pitches so much as I make, we're, I'm going to make a comic and then I'll pitch it. And then if no one wants it, then I'll crowdfund it. And you're going to get this comic one way or another, no matter what. I, uh, I love that mentality. I love create. And, and you know, I, I was speaking with somebody else earlier today and uh, it's, it's, it's something interesting about this industry and the fans that it produces, you know, there's a lot of, uh, we won't, we don't have to get into specific uh, specifics, but there's a lot of uh, ownership in fandom of, uh, of different franchises that they feel or, or uh, the way in which they should be adapted or whatever. And I, I really think a lot of people miss the mark that, you know, some of your, you know, all of your favorite content out there was once a brand new idea that nobody had done before. Uh, once a creator just letting things go balls to the wall. And that's the best way to create is damn if it's going to be published or ever seen someday. I have this idea. I think it's cool. Let's see where it goes. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's important to remember that that Superman was an idea that that, that two Jewish boys from, from New York uh, came together and and made. And then Batman is a creation from a guy saying, hey, Superman's your most powerful, uh, most popular guy. Well, I could do a Superman. And Green Lantern was uh, I created from a guy who just needed a job, didn't have a pitch and noticed a... Uh, a train a person working on the train tracks waving a green lantern to allow a train into the station so did the demon who owns your soul and forces you to interview people about green lantern did he just appear in front of you and start like you know tapping on his flaming watch like it's been 10 minutes since you brought up green lantern (laughs) i think he's legally obligated to to work at least one (laughs) 
it's a running gag at this point to bring it up to this. <laughs> I, I just I just lean into the skit at this point, you know. Uh <laughs> It's a, it's a good like thing yellow. we're not providing video because I'm I'm draped in yellow. You melt away. <laughs> uh, take me out with a number two pencil. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, FOC is coming due for this. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, basically, uh, your local comic shops don't really order things unless you tell them to guys surprise surprise. You have to let people know that you want to buy something. So ghost planet is coming out in october but if you want that book on shelves and in your drop boxes for yourself at your local comic shop your pull list uh you need to let your local comic shop know hey scout comics is publishing this ghost planet one shot and i want it hey chad may i may i address your listeners uh directly absolutely go ahead and feel free to use whatever profanity you feel is necessary (laughs) Hello, Internet. This is Shomon Gorman. I'm the co-creator of a little book called Ghost Planet. Uh, If you've enjoyed what you've heard here tonight, then I suggest you march down to your local comic book shop. I don't care how far it is. Uh, You get down there, walk directly into the store, look your retailer in the eye and say, hey, I want this book and you're going to get it for me. And we're and no one's going to get hurt. And if you order 10 of them, you'll get a, a Mike Alred chase variant. If you order 50 of them, you'll get a Tess Fowler glow-in-the-dark retailer variant. I'm so excited about that one. And if you and if you personally order all three, you'll win a special prize, My Undying Gratitude. And, and I will send you a personally send you a John Byrne X-Men the Hidden Years comic. <laughs> Please have a self. Please send a self-addressed envelope to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if uh, it, because it's it, you know it 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 does happen. If they do not have an LCS near them, they can order it through Scout or also on y'all's individual websites, right? I think so. But Scout has been so great. It's not uh, once you'll be able to go to my website. Yes. Once I think once it's out uh, and I'm sure Sean's too, will at least link to it. But that's what, where, why I think one of the ways that Scout has really uh, risen to the top in their field in some ways is because of the direct to customer sales. Um, and that, and so they were really able to thrive, I think, when comic shops were down and, and fine tune that. Uh, and that's another thing that really excites us and, and how that's another way, you know, another part of their, their cover program and the way they, you know, they don't, their philosophy is that you know, a lot of it is like the problem with releasing a graphic novel is it just like comes out or one thing, it just comes out and then that's it. You get that one push of publicity uh, and then everybody moves on. Um, and then, uh, but Scout's not like that. They, uh, you know, I think it's, you're going to see different versions come out. If a store gets into it after the fact and they will all of a sudden want a store exclusive cover that they, uh, but it's a year later, then let us know. And and I think Scout is going to make stuff like that happen. They they want to they want to sell the book and as many copies as they can, and that's really cool. And as important as selling books is, um, well, we also got some merch to sell. We've got some really neat. I t-shirts. saw that. We've got a very impressive mug that I'm, I'm drinking white cloud of as we speak. 
yes, I saw that. That's really cool. I think was it. Forgive me because I can't remember off the top of my head. Was there? Is it? Was it sweatshirts or shoes or something? I saw some. some all, all of the above. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was awesome. Uh, really going all in for you guys. That's awesome. Well, definitely, guys, go and talk to your LCS and ask them to order Ghost Planet as soon as you get done listening to this because uh, nine, the nineteenth, right, September nineteenth, is uh, is the close for that order date. So. That's right. That's right. And then it's uh, in stores on October 19th. We're also debuting at uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, So there should be a New York Comic Con uh, exclusive cover. Uh, Sean and I will both be there. We'll be signing at the Scout booth. And we're sharing a table in Artist Alley so you can get all these other things that we've been talking about. Uh, and then at the end of the month, we're both at Baltimore Con together with uh, uh, our uh, our our leader Dean Haspiel and uh, cartoonist Dean Haspiel, who uh, is the cartoonist behind the Red Hook. And uh, and then we've also got a five state and counting um, uh, signing tour in September or starting in October also. All right. So if any of your listeners want us at your town. While you're accosting your local retailer um, with a pre-arranged speech that you rehearsed in the mirror that morning and then shotgun to White Claw before walking into the building, uh, let them this know that- brought to you by White Claw? <laughs> we, will, we will make every effort to come out to as many stores as possible. Um, if stores want us out, have them reach out to us. We will make best efforts to make our, our tour as successful as possible and to beat as many of you as possible. And to thank you all personally for helping support this book. Absolutely. Well, Sean and Jeff, thank you guys both for coming on the show. I really appreciate not you only being here, but having a fantastic conversation and reaching out to me in the first place. All I do sometimes, got I don't know why. Well, I know why, but those tweets get so much attention. All I do is read previews and share what I'm interested in and getting. Uh, and uh read previews guys it really helps out a lot of these creators uh just and more than just the front of it please (laughs) absolutely i mean and people are so quick to post things that they hate on the internet um and not enough people are talking about things that they like uh, because it's just it's just easier to knee-jerk reaction to i hate this we all hate this together. It's very difficult to get cut through that to be like, Hey, I love this. And I just want to talk about this for as long as I can. Absolutely. Uh, well, if people want to reach out to you guys to find your future projects, uh, beyond, uh, ghost planet and beyond, uh, how do they do so? I'm on, I'm on all the social medias, uh, at Von Gorman art on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm on the Facebook and I'm also um, a, a new creator on Zest World. So you can go on Zest World and find my career profile there. And uh, my contact details are there. You can also order. Uh, I'm currently taking uh, pre-show commissions for New York Comic Con. So if you're coming down there, you can let me know uh, what weird crap you want me to draw. And I will bring it to you. And I'm uh, at Jeff with one F, J-E-F underscore UK on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then if you go to Jeff Wright's, J-E-F-W-R-I-T-E-S.com, that links to all my socials. You can see I have a lot of comics up there for free that Chad's been talking about today. 
uh, including Sean and my work together. Um, and so, yeah, and I'm Jeffrey Burant on Facebook, all that. And not to be confused with Jeff Wright's R-I-G-H-T. That's a whole other project. That's my cousin. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, listeners, we will be right back. And that was my conversation with Sean Von Gorman and Jeffrey Burant. I want to thank the guys for coming on to the show and dealing with my first haphazard attempt at interviewing two creators simultaneously. That makes a creative credit first for myself, and I hope the conversation that resulted was fun for my guests as well as you, the listener. One more time, I want to remind you that orders for Ghost Planet are due by September 19th. So pick up the phone or head over to your local comic shop in person and tell them you want to pre-order Ghost Planet from Scout Comics. And if you happen to be there, head over to table A17 in Artist Alley at New York Comic Con October 6th through the 9th at the Javits Center in, you guessed it, New York City. What's next on the show? Well, I can't tell you as I don't know myself. Look, anytime I start posting new content on a podcast like this one, or really any creative endeavor I do outside of the Lantern Cast, I always seem to bring a story or an explanation as to why I've been gone and in with plans of grandeur and turning things around for the future. The fact is, this show relies on interacting with creators and getting on their schedule. The interview with Jeff and Sean that you heard here, the one with Jason previously, came about because I tagged them on Twitter, just excited for their upcoming works as I read about them in previews. Once I scheduled those interviews, I quote, caught the bug, and I've emailed at least 12 different creators asking them if they'd like to come on the show. I've heard back from none of them. Creative credit is extremely important to me, but my ability to maintain its production hinges on factors I myself am unable to control beyond putting in some effort and hoping for the best. So I won't make any unfulfilled promises this time around. All I'm going to say is this. Creative credit and its aims still bring me great joy. And I hope to bring you more creator conversations just as soon as I'm able to. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow the show, you can follow it on Twitter at creativecredit underscore. You can also send an email to the new dedicated podcast email at creativecreditpod at gmail.com. And I'm proud to say you can find Creative Credit on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember, Marvel or DC, television or film, print or digital, we're all comic fans. And as Alan Moore once wrote, everybody is special. Everybody. Everybody is a hero, a lover, a fool, a villain. Everybody. Everybody has their story to tell. Mm -hmm.